Hello everyone and welcome back to the Line of the Week preview, the bite-sized side piece to the Love Pod. By the time Wanderers are on the pitch Saturday, it will have been 186 days since their last Miigwatch away at Burton Albion. We've certainly waited a long time for this one. A lot of changed in that time. New manager, new team and new expectations. Joining me to take a look at tomorrow's game against Forest Green Rovers are James Jarvis, Tom Jenkins. Joining us later on is Lee Tennant all the way from Turkey. Firstly, we'll uh, touch on the, the two cup games that Wanderers have already played, uh, and we'll start with the Bradford game. Uh, so I'll start with you, James. Um, what did you think was good? What did you think was bad? How did you think uh, Ian Everett's the first look at Ian Everett's side was? Ooh, well, well, the crew game. The first half was very tempered from our point of view. Um, we did we did manage to keep the ball quite a bit and pass it all around, but but with very little end product at the end of it, we can tell that um, not not the. Well, crew. Well, um, while Bradford themselves were defending fairly well, we didn't really have the impetus to get at them going forward. Uh, I can't even. I think it was just one long shot that we had, or maybe I'm confusing that with Taft in the second half. But either way, we've created very, very little of note in the first half, and as 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 worryingly is the case, we also proved our ineptitude in defence by conceding. A really poor and easily avoidable goal. So, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, that's something that can that can be worked out because it was just a case of poor positioning, and positioning itself can always be worked on in the training ground. So, yeah. So, but, and thankfully, it it did turn out much better second half. Even though, even if we did concede from a silly mistake in the second half again, but but attacking wise, it's it's there. It's there. It just needs more consistency throughout the entire ninety minutes. Yeah, I think if we uh, had the impetus to start again like we did uh, start the second half, we'd certainly be all right. I'll go to you, Tom, on this. How how nice and how great is it to see a 19-pass move directly from kickoff lead to a Wanderers goal? I mean, I'd temper the expectation about the 19-pass move from kickoff because, you know, Delfonso screwed up the cross and it was quite fortunate that it fell to Sartovic the way it did. But it was certainly nice to see uh, a patient build-up. Obviously, later in the day, I remember watching um, England against Iceland and thinking how pedestrian and boring it was seeing them pass it all around the back without a, any kind of incision, as it were. And I don't want us to get caught into that mindset, being you know very very happy with sixty percent possession when a not a lot, an awful lot of it, um, you know, is through the lines or through balls or anything that could actually set up a good chance for our strikers. Which is why in the Bradford game, I think it was disappointing to not see Crawford play not just because we all want to see him him do well after being one of our better performers in League One, but also because, as he proved in the crew game, he is that person in that midfield who can really pick a pass and, and thread a through ball that our strikers are going to benefit from. So while it's nice to see extra possession, um, clear, clean passing, something that we never saw under Phil Parkinson, despite all the good points of, of his tenure, uh, I'd like to see a bit more incision, which hopefully Crawford can provide. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it, to see Crawford start on the bench, but the person who started in his place, uh, Tom White, had a fantastic game, didn't he, Lee? Absolutely, yeah. He was uh, he was all over the place when he really sort of composed in possession and um, very sort of mobile and, and looking mainly looking for forward passes, really, which was encouraging. Um, bit of chalk and tease to Conley, really. He was a little bit, a little bit... A little bit cautious, I think, just a little bit... Uh, I don't think he was meaning to be negative. I think he was just a little bit cautious in the way he was uh, moving the ball around and sort of a lot of passes back to Baptiste and Santos. And it was it was a case of like sort of very, very slow slow build-up in, in, against Bradford anyway. But um, yeah, and obviously Conley didn't didn't start against... Uh, was it was it Crew? 
And the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So the, the midfield three against Crew was Crawford, um, Sasevich, and um, and White. I think White. I think White looks like he would do enough defensively as well to maybe negate the need to have Conley in there as just basically a holding player. Uh, perhaps at home, uh, we'll, we'll have to see moving forward. But like you say, White's White certainly started very impressively. It isn't a surprise to me either because of his his link to to Everett, and he's the only player we've got in our team who's played under Everett's management, not with Everett, like Baptiste and Delfonso knows you know he knows Ian well, but he's the only guy we've got there who's actually played under his management. So it's not a surprise to me that he's sort of started. Really, pretty much the best as the best player in the, in the squad, I'd say at the moment. Going off the Bradford game, I didn't see the crew game. I was, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I never, my missus having a go at me when I'm on holiday, you know, watching crew in the EFL trophy. So at the end of the day, so um, so yeah, basically, um, White's been excellent so far. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, Ian, you know, but as described him as the perfect midfielder beforehand, so maybe it wasn't such a surprise to see him start and play so well. Uh, we'll go, we'll move on now to the crew game. Uh, which again, one just conceded early on from a set piece, um, and that striker Mikel Mandron certainly had the run around of our defenders uh, all game. But again, another fantastic start to the second half, and another couple of goals. But what was missing was that clinical edge from Doyle. Um, is it a worry to see him miss a couple of guilt edge chances, James? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, as soon as he was through for that first chance, where he. Oh, where he was essentially one-on-one with the keeper and he just had to slot it right under him and put it into that back left corner. As soon as he missed that, I'm thinking, oh, God, have we got no- have we cursed another striker that was previously on form to to have no more than 12 a season? And maybe maybe that's a bit presumptuous because, like, like with most strikers, it took... It took he always took Lafondra a while in both his spells to join us to get his first goal and as soon as he did he was on fire so I'd, I'd imagine Doyle to be pretty much the same he just needs that he just needs that first one and with the way we're playing he will get it there's no doubt in my mind that he'll get it it's, so yeah I don't think there's anything to to worry about it's disappointing for sure but I, I don't think there's anything to, to worry about in, in the case of Doyle missing myself can I just interject there, Eddie? I've just, I just I wrote something on our um, pre-season piece, which um, I just looked at his stats since the new, since New Year's Day when he scored in the two-one win away at Plymouth, and since then he's played eight, 11, 11, 12 games, and he's only scored in one of them, a brace in Swindon's last second to last game on to Scunthorpe in uh, obviously in, in League Two. He's only scored once in his last twelve, uh, eleven or twelve games, which it does suggest. I know, obviously, the Bradford spell was somewhere he was going back, sort of where he didn't actually want to be. Perhaps didn't suit his style of play. But when he went back to Swindon, he only scored in one of six games for them, like I say, the brace against Scunthorpe, and he hasn't scored yet for us. So there, there is a slightly worrying trend developing. But let's just hope it's a little, it's a minor blip. And like Everett said a few times, he may just be trying a little bit too hard. Um, I'm not too worried at this stage, but we need to hopefully keep keep an eye on that because the longer it goes where he's you know only getting one in 14, one in 15, it does become a worry. He's a confidence player, clearly. I, I, I yeah. wouldn't worry about him for, for the moment because no. there's not been an awful lot of time for his confidence to be completely dashed. I think if we continue to lose games and he's not scoring, then it's an issue. But, for example, if we manage to nick a 1-0 win on Saturday and he didn't score, the fact that the team is playing positively, oh, yeah. I, don't, I think we'll probably not mean it's not. It's going to last any longer. Although, as you say, it is a, a slight concerning trend. Yeah, I think it's just that the fans seem to think he was on fire and perhaps there's a little bit 
those stats perhaps just as the stat man of the the group perhaps myself and maybe Reese. But um, I just like to point. I just wanted to point it out that perhaps he wasn't as on fire since the start to the year as he, he maybe would led to believe by his by his goal scoring exploits in the whole season. Yeah, uh, one striker who did um, make his mark in the game against Crew uh, rather in a fantastic fashion was Sean Miller, uh, which was a bit of a surprise to see him be the first striker to score for us this season. Do you think? Mm. You can see him as a starter um, when he's up, up to full fitness. Do you think he could take the place of uh, Delfonso up front with Doyle because they seem to work well in that second half? Not for me. I, I, th- I think Sean Miller, at his age, I mean, bear in mind he's going to be 33 very, very soon. I don't see him as the kind of person who's going to be a, a regular starter in this team, certainly with... I, I think Delfonso and Doyle are quite marquee signings, so I can't see Sean Miller, who's, uh, you know... Let's be honest, a run-of-the-mill League 2 striker being the kind of person to take their place. Don't get me wrong, great finish, great turn, good ball by by Crawford. And uh, if he gets, you know, 35 appearances, whether that be a few from the start and most of them off the bench in next year, five to ten goals, you're over the moon with that. So if, if he can provide that, I'm not worried about it as a signing. But if he were our main striker, I think I would be concerned. Yeah, uh, another uh, position on the pitch that we've probably got a selection... A headache in a good way, really, is uh, at right wing back because Jack Higman made his debut on Tuesday and was rather excellent and earned a lot of plaudits and uh, was given our man of the match, uh, which Reese gave him. Um, so, out of the two of them, out of Jones and Hickman, who do you see as the starter going forward or do you see in interchanging? And as, as uh, do you think that'd be a positive to have two strong options at right wing back? I got, I got to you, James, on this. All right. Um, well, first of all, happy birthday, Jack Hickman. Oh yeah, yeah I saw that before. Yep. Uh, Don't get too excited on your birthday, though, Jack. We all know what happened last time. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was a, it was a very impressive debut. He seems the more marauding out of the two, which is quite exciting. So maybe, maybe not right away. He'll, he'll be starting. But I wouldn't be surprised if later on in the season, Hickman would be our main starter at right back. Jones is pro- is probably the more defensively aware of the two. Like for like for me, he's he was a bit he was a bit of a better tackler and and a bit better um, in the in the air than Hickman was out out of what I've seen of the two so far. So so maybe while we're working on defensive issues, going going with Geffen Jones would probably be the smarter approach. But but as soon as it starts gelling together as a team. I wouldn't be surprised to see Hickman starting because the way he whipped some of those crosses in, if there was anyone on the end to it, meet them, nine times out of ten were scoring. It was, yeah, it was very impressive. And I'm not surprised he was dragged off, to be honest, because this is the first competitive game at this level that this lad's ever played as well. So, so you, you want, so you want to keep him, you want to keep him fit, you want to keep him injury free, especially for the future, because he has a lot of promise, does Hickman. But right now, I'd probably go with Jones for right wing back. Uh, Tom, do you agree with James there? Uh, I have my reservations about Hickman. I think we all did, uh, you know, because it's all well and good saying that someone's, you know, changed their ways, etc., etc. But the incident in itself, you know, j- just the sheer disdain that he treated Coventry City with, a club that, you know, had given him his chance in the game, it d- doesn't sit well with me. But, you know, you have to, on our level, you can't, you know, be saying that we can't give people a chance because let's be honest beggars can't be choosers uh, and from first impressions he looks like he's a capable footballer which is good you know we need to have capable footballers especially given that I think the uh, the right wing back and the left wing back position is going to be so crucial for us given that we haven't signed any wingers and clearly that is the system that Everett's going to play without uh, any changes 
So it was good to see that he had a lot of attacking promise. I think we need a bit of attacking promise in that position, which maybe Jones isn't necessarily the best at. But at the moment, I think we're going into a game that I think will be a good litmus test against Forest Green, a team who are regularly in and around the playoffs in this division. So a good test for us. And I think we need all the experience and of this level that we can get. And Jones provides that in abundance. So while Hickman promising, I would say Jones is the solid option who I would go with at the moment. Yeah, do you agree with that, Lee? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, Jones looks like the cat, sort of a calm head compared to Hickman's sort of a little bit of uh, youthful exuberance, which, like I say, I've not I've not seen anything but the goals for the crew game, unfortunately, so I've, I couldn't tell you about the whipped crosses because when I was checking the... Um, I, was, I was on the live updates and checking, you know, uh, Mark Isles' description of the game and every sort of... Uh, uh, pretty much every every Bolton involvement seems to involve Hickman in the first forty five minutes. Like he was had a, he nearly got on the end of a cross, he whipped across him and it, that was really encouraging to see that he was he was heavily involved. But like you say, I think he's just feeling his way into this this sort of level and, and playing playing games for a team of our calibre, obviously. Coventry, uh, you know, I'm guessing he was on the verge of perhaps getting some minutes for them in the league or certainly in the cup competitions last season before his uh, his misdemeanour, you know, so in relation to um, to Hickman, it's a, certainly a positive start for him. And I think it's positive as well that we've been able to bring someone in like him on trial, like a lot of the players, and have them in and around Everett and, and his coaching staff, Peter Addison, etc. And just, just to just to look at his character and to see whether he really has sort of grown up from from that you know stupid stupid video. And and obviously they're they're satisfied he has. Um, I think without COVID, we may not have had a situation where there was so many players released and. You know, clubs cutting the uh, cloth accordingly, and being able to look at the likes of him and, and Ricardo Santos and etc. You know, just just to look at the characters as well, which is obviously a positive to, to check that they actually are going to fit into our you know the ethos of what Brand uh, Brand Everett wants. So yeah, Hickman I think is uh, a watching brief for now. But horses for courses, you know, if we're at home against a team we're going to sit into a low block, it may be that. You know, Hickman's the more explosive option who can pick teams apart with that early whip cross, or you know, or whether if we're playing a more attacking side, some someone who's more on our level, say we're playing a Salford at home or a Forest Green, perhaps on Saturday, like say that they might be a little bit more dangerous going forward. Then Jones will probably be a man. So it's it's good that we've not got two wing backs there who are just very very similar, and um, we've got a bit of a different type of player for for a different type of game, which is is encouraging to see. It is good. We've got choice. Uh, right, so we'll move on to the Forest Green game now this weekend. Um, a team who finished 10th last season in the league, so it's a really good test to see where Wanderers are in the league. Uh, they lost midweek. Uh, well, they've lost both games so far, uh, like we have. 2-1 to Leighton Orient at home in the Cup, uh, and then 3-2 to Exeter away in the EFL Trophy. And an interesting thing from the, the defeat at Exeter midweek was that they scored two set pieces. Oh, is that a, a little bit of a worry, given our shaky start to our uh, defence this season, James? Uh, of course, it's of course it's worrying because if anything, <laughs> they're the team most likely to take advantage of our weaknesses. It's not ideal first game of the season, but at the same time, Ever will be aware of that. He's been giving these players the analysis DVDs. He'll be working with them, especially on defensive positioning, um, in on the training ground. So as long as his message is getting across, maybe we shouldn't be as worried because if that's all. If that's all Forest Green have to atta- offer as an attacking threat, and we can neutralise that a bit, then we probably don't have anything that much to worry about when facing them. They're not they're no mugs. They're they're tenth place, and in previous seasons they've been in and around the playoffs. But 
Yeah, but I've I've every faith we can get a win. But it's just it's just those silly defense mistakes. As long as we can root them out, then I don't think we've got much to worry about. And me personally, I'm going to go for us to win. Well, I'll like like in my predictions, I'll say two one. Uh, Tom, uh, who would you start in defence uh, against this Forest Green team? I mean, it's the land of the Giants, isn't it? So you'd hope that there would be some kind of metal at uh, set pieces, but not that they proved that against Crew. I mean, James and I have had a little bit of an argument about whether we think Mikel Mandron is a useful striker at this level. I think he's garbage, but seeing him score twice against us was was, was a bit disappointing. Um, I would, I think Taft has earned this place uh, to stay at the left-hand side, despite Reese Green is, or Usain Bolt, as, as, as he'll be known hereafter, if Everett's uh, claims about his pace are true. Um, Santos was poor in the first game, I think it's fair to say, but I didn't necessarily see enough from Brockbank to say that he deserves to play in that right-hand side slot, so I think I'd probably bring, bring Santos back in. The middle is where I'm struggling, to be honest, because I don't want to play Baptiste, realistically, but I thought Delaney was rubbish against, against Crew. I, the, the through ball in what must have been like the first five minutes or something, where he just let it go through uh, from the halfway line. Uh, I thought he let Owen Dale uh, cut in on his left foot far too easily for the second goal. And, um, you know, he may well have scored, but I honestly don't think he put in a good enough performance to warrant a place in the side on, on Saturday. So while I'm not a fan of Baptiste, Maybe having some experience in there might be might be useful. I'm I'm willing to give him a try over Delaney because I don't think Delaney's earned his spot. Would you agree with that, Lee? Would you say that you could because you see Baptiste starting in the middle again over Delaney? I don't know. It's a strange one. I was just thinking. Then should we have signed Owen Dale instead of Owen Dale? Then, I? Um, I think <laughs> in relation to the um, to the Baptiste conundrum, I think Kasbrat's a bit harsh on him during the. I think there was a t- there was times. I think every time he was up against. Um, Novak, I think it was mainly Novak who gave him trouble in that in that Bradford game, which is obviously the game I've seen. You know, that's why I'm basing my judgments on so far. Really, um, I think he looked like he was going to really struggle to keep up with him, but sort of almost always did enough. Um, well, I don't know whether he's the right sort of player in the middle. I, I, I couldn't really tell you how Ryan Delaney plays as a footballer. Again, I, I didn't really see. He only really got into the team under Keith Hill towards the end of just before COVID happened. And I think it, the three games we did all right, and I think two of them or even three of them were away from home. So I've not even really seen him play. So I can't really make a judgment. All I'd say is it, it does worry me having Baptiste. He looks like he's going to lose the ball. In it. He looks like he's going to lose a foot race. He looks like he's going to be muscled out of it. And he looks like he's going to make a dodgy pass, but he, he doesn't always do that. He just, he just worries me. Um, he's too short I, as well. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to just take. I'm literally making a judgment of his one game and, and Delaney for me with very little experience. But Delaney scored against Crew, which helps. I don't think Baptiste is going to be that much of a threat in the FM set pieces. He was more of a threat cutting in on his better foot as left back under Freeman to score the three or four goals he scored for us. So anyway, scoring's not important as a defender. Just defend, just do your job. So I think obviously having that extra set piece threat from Delaney is he is a lot taller and probably a lot more of a threat from set pieces. So there is that aspect, but. Like I say, defensively, I think it's, like you say, Taft on the left, even despite the penalty late on, which I, I did notice Everett didn't berate him for. He was more on about the, the potential offside. He didn't even, he didn't sort of mention the, the trip on, by Taft against Crew for the winner, uh, for the penalty. Um, seems to sort of you know, take the blame away from him for that. But um, it looks like Taft on the left, I think Santos on the right. I personally was really encouraged by Santos going with with the ball in his feet. I thought the pass for Alfonso down the channel was perfectly weighted. That was great. 
And I thought he was quite good at the ball at his feet, but obviously it seemed to be his, his fault for both the goals against Bradford. So that's that's something to watch out for, whether whether he can cut those sort of uh, errors out. But they're playing together in a competitive game for the first time. I know that them three have played together, Baptiste. Well, Santos and Taft have played virtually every pre-season game together, haven't they? Not mm. far off. So they've played in that role for five games, or four or five games together, pretty much. So they should have some understanding. But having a settled three as a unit, I think is going to be important. I think we need to pick one rather than sort of just go with Baptiste for one game, Delaney for another, Brockbank for another. I personally, I really rate Brockbank. I think his debut against Villa in a, in a hard, hard situation for him. Um, thought he did really well for 60. He played it right back. It's a completely different role. It's the easiest role to play on the pitch, I think, as you come in and see a new debut. But a bit like Rob Holding showed, it's, it's a nice, nice position to come in right back in a back four. But I think overall, my back three would probably be Santos, Delaney, Taft for the next game. Um, Baptiste to me is somebody who we bring in if there's injuries. Uh, he worries me too much. And I, I'd really like Brockman to get a go. I think we'd all like to see Brockbank really, but whether or not he goes on loan uh, remains to be seen. Finally, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, with the defence, I'll ask the question about Rhys Greenwich because he's been really bigged up this week in the press by Ian Everett as this speed demon, like Tom said, a uh, Usain Bolt type. Can we see him taking the place of Taft and, and Taft moving into the middle uh, in future in games going forward? I think Taft is almost guaranteed to start. I, I, he comes across to me as the kind of person that uh, will be a mainstay in that in that back three, which is why I think it's odd that uh, he keeps talking about Reese Greenwich about coming into the side. Maybe he, he sees Taft as his central um, uh, part of that back three, more so than maybe on the left. Uh, don't get me wrong; it's exciting to have a player like Greenwich in there who could well be, you know, uh, electric. Um, don't get me wrong; I'd probably prefer someone who's a bit more of a solid defender. Because you know they only really find out at centre half that you're that quick if you're making errors and you're having to cover up for them as as we, as we saw with Zuma. So uh, exciting! We literally a complete unknown came from massive left field. No one expected it to happen. Uh, I, I'm I'm interested to see what goes on, but I don't think you'd be taking the place of Taft at the moment, though. No. Okay. Um... Right, we'll, we'll we'll move on from there and uh, we'll just finish with your score predictions for the game. So we'll start with, oh, James, you've already said 2-1. So, Tom, uh, how do you see the game going? Uh, I, I couldn't care less if uh, the Forest Green keeper booted one into his own net in the 94th minute. We need a win. We need a pick-me-up. So, I'll go with uh, I'll go with 2-1. But I honestly couldn't care less. Hooker by Crook, we just need to win the game. Lee? I think every game so far this season shown. I think I was right in saying in my preseason prediction. I think there'll be there'll be goals in each game. Or we had a two-one, um, a three, just two-one, three-two in it. We had two games, didn't we? Mm-hmm. We're going mad. Yeah, yeah. No. Sure. Competitive games. So yeah, so there's, there's there's goals in it. I think uh, Forest Green have got some some decent players. I noticed a, a guy called Matt Stevens scored a couple for them. He's been down in non-league. Uh, I think they've they've got a goal threat. I think they're quite open at times as well. Edward Adams is good in midfield for them. Uh, I think it'll be a draw. I'm going to go with two all. And I really want us to win, but I think we just at the moment we've just got too much, too open at the back for us to, to grind it out. I think we'll be two one up and they'll score a late one. I'm going to be slightly pessimistic. At least I'm not going for a loss. I'm going to be slightly pessimistic. Two all. I think I'll go for a, a win, uh, agreeing with James and Tommy. I think I'll say three one. I'll stick my neck out and say we'll score three goals. Um, which is a lot for Wanderers at the minute. <laughs> uh, right, we'll we'll end uh, this podcast uh, with a little quiz, a little Bolton versus Forest Green uh, Rovers quiz. Um, five questions. Uh, if you know the answer, call out your name and uh, 
there's a point for each question and then we'll obviously declare a winner at the end. This is going to be carnage, isn't it? You can just tell. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's going to be horrendous <laughs> on the years. So question number one. Uh, which former Wanderers scored in the 2017 National League playoff final? James. Go on, James. It. Christian Dodge. No, I, I know it. <laughs> uh, is, is that right or wrong, Eddie? That's right, yes. Oh, is so it there's, right, an, there's, no, there's, there's another one, though, isn't there? Oh, yes, sorry, there I is. Thought, I thought it was Kane Willery. Uh... Yeah, that, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, right. So Lee and James get half a point each then, because you both <laughs> said one of the answers. Well, I knew them both. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, you didn't game. get in there first, though, did you? <laughs> Question number two. Uh, last year, Forest Green Rovers owner Dale Vince sold T-shirts to help out the Bolton Wanderers Supporters Trust. What was on them? Lee. No Damn can it. do. Yeah, Lee. That's a point for Lee. No can do. Absolutely right. <sighs> Still available to buy on the Forest Green Rovers shop. Uh, on sale. Absolutely joking. <laughs> Still absolutely rubbish shirts. Oh, they're terrible. That's uh, right. Question... You can buy, you can buy um, Wigan versions, can't you? So, yes, we can. <laughs> oh, Jesus, can you? Oh, Christ. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Question number three. Uh, Forest Green Rovers kits are made primarily from what? James. James? Bamboo. It is bamboo, yeah. That's <laughs> it's bamboo. Bamboo. I was going to say hemp. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's made from at least 50% bamboo. Uh, it's, <laughs> oh it's, it's on their side. Oh, we are. Please tell me we aren't going to lose to these vegan idiots <laughs> at the weekend. God's sake. Oh, it could happen, couldn't it? Question number four. Topical one. Which footballer has uh, recently invested in Forest Green Rovers? Lee, Lee, Lee. Damn it. Bella, Hector Bellerin. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's another point for Lee, yeah. I'm on a donut. <laughs> oh, one more question, Tom, so you don't get nothing. Um, number five. Which mythical creature features on Forest Green Rovers badge? James. Oh, oh, I don't know that. James. I don't know that. Uh, 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 I'll just say unicorn. I'm probably wrong. Right, I, I've got to get... Lee, Lee, I've got to guess. James has got it right. It's a unicorn. Wait, it's not a unicorn. <laughs> right. A unicorn. Fuck off. It's a unicorn. <laughs> These two animals, either side of a, of a football on their badge, it's a lion with a crown and a unicorn. Oh, my God. joking. See, I was thought it was a lion, but I can't remember. Who, who's one? Has James just picked me there at the post? I think James has just picked you there. He, he, he finishes with three and a half points. Oh, oh God's sake. Three. No, I got oh, half. I got we can't so, lose this club. They're, they're like they're like a kid's just made them up in his mind. It's like something <laughs> out of the mind of oh, what's what's her name, Gwyneth Paltrow or something nonsense like that. So you're not a fan of the unicorn wearing zebra print t-shirts now? What's on earth are they playing at? Making the shirts out of bamboo with unicorns on it. How high is Dale Vince constantly? <laughs> right, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna head off. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're, we're gonna end it. Yeah, we're gonna end this pod now anyway. So uh, thank you for joining us uh, on this revamped. Line of the NSP preview podcast. Uh, thank you to uh, Tom, James, and Lee for joining me as well. Uh, hopefully, we'll see a wondrous win against the unicorn wearing uh, Forest Green Rollers, but who knows? Um, we'll, right, we'll see you next week.